Hubhopper Originals. Okay, so hi. This is the this is another episode of Local Locals, and I'm with Utsav of uh, Theory Forest Garden, and this this project started off with two people just trying to sort of uh, forest the area around them, but it turned into something much more when they discovered something crazy. Massively tragic. Uh, so, thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, tell me more about what caused your decision to do this. Uh, hi everyone, thanks Ron for uh, the opportunity, uh, and it's been a pleasure uh, having you over so far. And um, yeah, so we uh, started the project to uh, set up a permaculture farm. So um, we. initially just deep dived into uh, trying to at first like the initial goal was just to grow our own food and then uh, it was to uh, try and plant more trees in the area that we already were there so it was like a very simplistic idealistic goal but then uh, when we started clearing the undergrowth to plant the trees is when you realize that uh, there is like there was plastic there so we thought okay let's pick up the plastic we started picking up the plastic and there was more plastic and then there was more plastic so uh, we realized that for lack of a better word i think the entire land here that we are located in right now was molested and uh, so till date we've picked up close to about 3000 sacks of plastic from the mm. land yeah and that is after we've blocked off like uh, the entry of plastic in the land in the last two years mm-hmm. and and so basically so okay right uh, recovering the land with, uh, from its plastic is one idea so what made you decide ki chalo this is a model of future sustainable forest farming where sort of this is where i can be live and do my thing yeah. so what made that decision happen because obviously there are people uh, like us like travelers and uh, eco friendly people who want to do something for the planet but we can't really find the means to sort of do it in a practical way because either we are living in the cities and the environment so to speak the mountains and the seas and all of this is far away from us or we don't have the financial capabilities so how did you wrap your head around the reality of it uh, see i think uh, in some sense we've been lucky that uh, the land called us because i don't know any i don't know if i can put it like any other way because it's it's strange how uh, the dots now looking back it's easier to connect the dots but then we were just going with the flow so we happened to volunteer in a farm in uttarakhand hmm. the himalayan farm project and hmm. uh, we got connected to permaculture then it resonated very well with some of the ideas that we had probably already subscribed in our head and uh, we decided to go ahead and do a pdc course and straight after the pdc course we realized that okay there is this patch of land that we have and uh, that has been lying Uh, vacant for the last twenty years, hmm. and uh, let's go and start working on it. Now, so it just happened really, really quickly, and this is right after we quit our jobs and decided to travel. So in that way, mm-hmm. it, it, we we say that okay, the land has been calling us. But then after we got into the project in the last couple of years, we've realized that uh, because we've been uh, uh, deep diving a lot into waste management, we've been trying to understand. uh the intricacies of it the challenges of it and also the uh uh the challenges that the individual and the society at large faces with regards to the consumerist society that we are living in so and uh, so we realize that idealism may not be the right approach the mm-hmm. reason why i'm saying idealism may not be the right approach is because 
sometimes when you for when you kind of get on board with a very firm ideology you are not flexible enough to um hear the other person's story hmm. so that's where uh, we kind of uh, adopted a very like uh, a soft approach to start off with just to try and understand how deep is the problem so then uh, we realized that as an individual you can make a difference wherever you are hmm. be it in a forest that you are or be it in a farm or let's say a village or a town or a city hmm. and uh, then we've started kind of talking about what we are doing and how we think it uh, any person can make a difference and we've actually put it down into five ways i mean five point agenda is what we call it so that right. it simplifies simplifies the whole thing hmm. and i think everyone wherever the person is be it in the city or wherever you can compost you can compost your own organic waste and it's easy to do it once you get to and it's just like uh, learning how to drive a a motorcycle or hmm, a vehicle hmm. so it seems tough at times because you're not able to find the balance hmm. but uh, once you do it it just seems to come naturally yeah and you might fall off but you'll get there yeah you'll get there yeah yeah so, so, so what are those five points that you mentioned yeah so though? one is to start composting right and uh, second i think so these are like the high impact uh, areas that we felt that okay just these five points would make like a tremendous impact hmm. the first is the composting part of it second is uh, to reduce reuse and recycle mm. now it's easier said than done but right. to be consciously telling yourself that maybe i don't need that jacket that looks mm. really mm. cool on amazon or maybe i don't need that like bluetooth headset mm. that's mm. i've been attracted to because i could do with one that i already have or i could actually buy it second hand so that makes a huge impact so you are trying to not fuel the consumerist society that is already kind of churning at a very very rapid pace right now in india mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's given uh, the perception of the more you buy the more faster your country is growing right, so right. that's how your entire uh, perception is with regards to growth but then yeah the second point of reducing reusing and recycling has a big impact the third uh, the reason why we bring it up even though it might be a sensitive point where people have the other side of the argument with regards to how can you deny us drinking like good fresh water hmm. but still we add this point saying that say no to bottled water completely because when we started learning about bottled water and when we did the cleanups uh, like in the rivers also mm-hmm. when you guys must have noticed just yeah. like one of the major pollutants is this single use plastic water bottle that is there yeah and uh, uh, you could actually do without it like 20 years hmm. back there was no water bottle it just now that we've been sold the idea that you are outside your house you need to drink bottled water and had been earlier sold to us as mineral water hmm. which now hmm. they've corrected saying that okay yeah bottled water but actually you don't need it because and the irony of it and the irony <laughs> of it right and you don't need it yeah. the reason why i'm saying that is and even for health reasons you should deny that because uh uh one it's a major pollutant single use plastic and second it actually is harmful to your health read hmm. like any go just simple google search saying there are harmful effects of bottled water you'll find numerous reports scientific reports where almost on 90% of water bottle samples of any big brand that you pick up hmm. across the world they found plastic samples microplastic right. in the water bottle so it's actually harming your health so 
so then the point is okay what do we do if we don't hmm. like have access to so i think the best thing to go about and we we've, we've tried it and we've been successful in terms of how it works out works out much better that we always carry like a stainless steel bottle wherever you go and right. we keep filling it up at sources that you can trust and hmm. at at times your tap water might actually be even better than your bottled water hmm. so that's the third point and the fourth is uh Uh, when you look at plastic uh that's like one of the major pollutants so if i have to break it down as per our experience when you look at managing waste hmm. 70% of your waste could be by volume your organic waste which mm-hmm. you're composting and uh, the other 30% would be divided into a good chunk into let's say 25% as plastic waste and the other 5% as the sanitary waste the biohazard waste the medical waste mm-hmm. and all of that so to do deal with the 25% of the plastic waste that is there what you can do is simply create plastic bricks mm. and again a very simple uh, practice and a concept and where you just keep and you'll find like endless empty water bottles everywhere mm-hmm. So you just take one, keep it at your home, and maybe every room in your house. And every time you see a piece of plastic that is there, and plastic comes in different forms, right? Maybe you ordered a new book through mm-hmm. Amazon. There is plastic there, or maybe you went out to get some dal. There is some plastic there. Yeah. So of course, carrying your own bag and all of that will help. But sometimes you just can't avoid. Let's say you go and buy medicine. It comes wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. Right? So what do you do with the plastic? That how much ever you avoid, you still generate that amount of plastic waste. You keep putting it, stuffing it in a plastic bottle, and uh, I think you would be able to put it you put it to use within your own space itself once you realize how hard and stiff and almost like a brick it becomes mm-hmm. so you can create like crafts at your place just yeah. using the plastic waste around yeah what i like best about this approach is that uh, unlike other you know uh, connoisseurs of the green uh, conversation you're not villainizing plastic right. blanketly right. you you're saying there is a chance of sort of using plastic uh, in another way possible Uh, which benefits the environment and isn't really that heavy on your pocket right. anyone can do it sitting in their home a little personal decisions on yeah. everyday choices yeah. right yeah. so yeah this is this is optimistic because usually uh, banning plastic all of that mm. in, from the government level to our individual personal life level it always mm. feels like something that's an unachievable it's yeah. high claim you're asking too much from us but of of course the way you've put it and the way you guys are approaching this problem is to sort of make this problem uh solvable yeah. and in a very practical manner True. uh would you say that the local community or the people around this area uh, local authorities or the or the people who are involved with this land mm-hmm. uh, did they help you out in any way or was there any obstruction placed in your initial sort of years mm-hmm. and how did you come across it uh, i think uh, the local community has been uh, incredibly supportive so far i would say the reason why i use the strong word incredible is because mm. uh like i said we were the new kids in town mm. and uh uh you always face this resistance when you come in from outside and you're trying to change a mindset and a behavior that's been practiced for years and years right mm. so uh and with that they have uh been supportive to an extent that they are creating plastic bricks at home they are mm. kind of segregating the waste for us to collect the um, the organic waste for us to be able to collect it and compost it for them so that that amount of support within the short period of time like it's just been 2 years right has been incredible 
and uh, I think the credit goes to how uh, ingrained within the uh, conscience of someone from Darjeeling as to how closely they were connected with nature earlier mm-hmm. and how they probably secretly also wish to kind of go back to those times. And here, when they get a solution, I think, uh, if not like everyone, a good chunk of them mm-hmm. take it up mm-hmm. and say that, okay, maybe we can be part of this. Be it from river cleanups to mm-hmm. uh, segregating the organic waste to, uh, let's say, creating the plastic break. Mm-hmm. Like like you also mentioned during our trail work, uh, obviously the psyche of the common man is also sort of plays a huge role so the minute you tell them that the environment is sacrosanct or that it does return what you give to it all of that when once you put that as a part of the conversation it they feel like okay we owe something to the environment that we took so much from so is that something that you worked towards or that just happened because you know this is how people are or the locals are no i think uh, we did work towards it i mean there have been like uh many evenings like this where we've sat around the table and we've kind of brainstormed as to how do we look at solving the socio-cultural aspect because mm-hmm. uh, like I said the top-down approach of having a policy to have a good cleanup system just isn't the only solution we feel mm-hmm. because that's been adopted like in various parts of the world yeah. where the place may look clean the rivers may look clean but that may be at a cost of they dumping it to other place where yeah. you're just taking a, a, you're just taking one person's dirt and putting mm. into other person's backyard. Yeah. You're not solving the problem. You're, you're hiding the problem. problem. You're hiding yeah. the problem, yeah. right? And in case of waste, there is no such thing as mm. a way. So uh, when you kind of involve the community, I think you have sort of like a a bottom level approach that meets the top level approach midway. And mm. I think that midway path is the right way to go ahead. Mm. <laughs> like from midway, obviously the next question would be uh, like, for example, I found about your project and all of this that you're doing uh, from Airbnb yeah. as an experience that was listed. Now, uh, of course, because of sites like Airbnb and TripAdvisor and all of these other uh, offbeat tourism experiences sort of websites, it allows the other, other the larger sort of population to sort of get to know about uh, these opportunities or another offbeat uh, way to travel. Right. So, obviously, that is a double-edged sword. Like you said, uh, the middle ground has to be found out. So, like we saw in Himachal, excessive tourism sort of led to the villages uh, deteriorating and uh, because of uh, hash smoking and all of that, yeah. whatever the agriculture and econ- economical yeah. reasons are, tourism has both negative and positive impacts. So, what do you feel about this? Because you're in the heartland right. of this whole business, right. if you call it and, that. Yeah, I mean, we've felt the push and the pull of like uh, tourism mm. like any other person who is trying to earn an honest living with like keeping in mind that he is hosting people from outside right? to, mm. to keep it as basic as that but uh, I think for us because our goals have been different uh, it has been easier for us to align the other uh, aspect of hosting people uh, in the place uh, in a very responsible and a sustainable way. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we have interacted with people who are, let's say, homestay owners here or hotel owners and who are aspiring to kind of uh, uh, earn more hmm. uh, through tourism as a business. Hmm. Uh, 
Hmm. Now, I think uh, it's a difficult um, argument to take a strong side on, especially hmm. when you are talking about someone's um, livelihood. Right? Mm-hmm. But this is where I think policies would make a lot of difference. Mm. Now, when I'm saying policies, policies not just at a government level, mm-hmm. but policies at a local association level, where the community head, let's say the panchayat head mm-hmm. says that, okay, we as a, a community here will not uh, sell water bottles. Mm. Now, there is a difference between saying that we will not sell versus we will ban. Somehow, uh, I think the word ban always gets this resistance that mm. uh, turns people off. Yeah. Like, for instance, we we don't sell plastic water bottles here, right? Mm. We don't sell... Uh, uh, so, we introduce people to the aspect of drinking, like, fresh mineral water. So, what mm. we serve is actual mineral water because it's the water that's coming out from the belly of the forest. Mm. And in, let's say, a clay pot which goes through its own filtration process. Mm. But if someone, like today... Uh, one of the elderly guests, she was not very sure. So she was like, can I please get mineral water? Mm. We, of course, go ahead and buy the mineral water from outside and probably right. direct the person to the place and then have the person take it. It's because it's only once the person goes through that experience will the person realize and it has to come from within all of this. And we've had this instance a number of times where the person goes through that, does something and then comes back and says that, yeah, I think you were That right. was better. Yeah, yeah, that was better. So you should create systems and processes that support good environmental practices without getting too stern an approach, without letting idealism spoil the game. I think in a way, banning versus, you know, not selling something uh, would sort of circumvent around the point of uh, individual choice. Banning always is from a third party. Uh, It's being imposed upon you. Do not do this. A long hand pointing down at your conscience and all of that. But when you don't sell or you don't buy, it's an individual sort of choice. It's it's your personal. So uh, obviously, so that's not that stringent in a way. And it's more flexible. Yeah, true. And uh, the reason why I'm saying, again, the top level approach should be so then, so what do we do if people's need to drink with water, right? So mm. everyone's, there is a need. So you then you install like good filtered water that people can just go and fill mm. it up mm. using their own water bottle. So that yeah. you're encouraging uh, good behavior. That's a very positive enforcement rather than you're trying to punish mm. a bad behavior. Yeah. So I think the first one works much better than the latter. Mm-hmm. True. So a major sort of criticism uh, throughout your in your friend circles and on on the global level, uh, you see Trump and everyone, uh, anyone who's opposing environmental policies or all of that. It's always along the lines of sustainability is not that sustainable, economically sustainable or financially feasible. Now, how do you do that? Because, uh, for example, we have our reasons for using plastic because it's cheaper. It can be, you know, a plastic cup in Mumbai, for example, chai cup was 2 or 3 rupees. The minute they said, uh, don't use plastic, use paper cups, it turned into 10 rupees. The tea vendor doesn't want to use it because there is a restriction. Obviously, from 5 rupees to 10 rupees is a massive jump. So, yeah, all of these problems are there. So, how do you personally go Uh, about it? I mean, uh, if you look at it philosophically to start with, uh, I agree with the statement that given the current state of where we are, uh, sustainably... To be uh, sustainable, sustainability is not enough. Mm. 
The reason why I say that is because, uh, so if you look at the concept of sustainable itself, it's like you are adding something to a system and let's mm. say you're adding X to the system and what you're getting out from the system is X, right? So that's the core concept of sustainability. Mm. You are trying to manage within what you have. Right. But uh, that's not enough right now. I mean, like with regards to, let's say, reviving the rivers, with regards to uh, protecting our soil and with regards to people's health, you need, currently what we feel is you need to be regenerative. Hmm. Now, the concept of regenerative is interesting because what you're saying is just adding X and getting X out from a hmm. system is not enough. So when you add X, you need to get X plus something out of it. Right. So hmm. uh, whenever we look at something, like you've given, like you gave an example with regards to uh, Mumbai, yeah. Mumbai, right? Yeah. So the policies probably would have to be thought to such an extent that if you are taking out something, something that replaces it has to be much yeah. better in terms of quality and cost. Hmm. Now, how do you go about easier said than done? All of that is fine. But that should be the basic approach where hmm. you say that it has to be regenerative. Hmm. It has to add more value than what it took in, right? Yeah. Because that's true. I mean, because... See, if we look at just earth in itself, right? Unless until we just plant more trees or revive the rivers, it is not sustainable. I mean, the entire earth itself with what we've done with global warming and all mm -hmm. of that is not sustainable. You have to do take up steps that could be regenerative steps, like plant more trees mm -hmm. or let's say with regards to uh, uh, plastic pollution, you need to... Uh, Come up with solutions that start not just, let's say, stopping plastic production, but hmm. let's say, be able to uh, manage the plastic waste that is there. Hmm. And I think, if you look at it, we've been to the moon and back, and yeah. we can't find a solution to be able to degrade plastic. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, really yeah, funny. Yeah. It's just about getting the right kind of priorities, getting the right kind of funding, and I think you need to trust human scientific temperament because mm. it's gotten us so far whether this far is good or bad it's a different thing but yeah. you need to kind of trust the same scientific temperament of a human being to be mm. able to find solutions and i think we should be able to find solutions yep. i hope you enjoyed this hub hopper original podcast if you want to get started with your own show please do get in touch we'd love to have you on board send an email to info at hubhopper.com that's info at hubhopper.com, and we'll get back to you in a flash. We're looking forward to creating some great audio content together.